Today on Adventures in Faith with Jerry Savelle. The fire of the Holy Ghost is going to spread from one end of this nation to the other. It's going to spread to the four corners of the earth, praise God. And this time, no man's going to be able to stop it. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise that we are on the verge of it. Amen. And let's look at verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord. That's a prayer that we all need to be praying right now. This world has gone nuts. We, th- this generation may need to apologize for what we thought about Sodom and Gomorrah. Because it's, it's, it's here again. And possibly even worse. And it's going to take a move of God to change things. Let's, let's make this our prayer. Keep it on your lips. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice. Show us thy mercy, O Lord. Why would we need his mercy? Well, simply because we played church too long. We need forgiveness for just playing church and being satisfied with the status quo. Church as usual. I believe God wants to take charge in our services, in our world, in our nation. Amen. But it's going to take the people of God praying and realizing that we've played spiritual games long enough. Amen. Now, this is going to be a heavy sermon. But how many of you want to go to the maximum? Hallelujah. Revival or renewal, as it's called sometimes, is an extended spiritual awakening that leads to moral transformation. A spiritual awakening that leads to moral transformation. It begins with a deep hunger for more of God. Every revival, every Renewal, every move of God has come on the wings of a hunger for more of God. I remember many years ago, I, was, I had been preaching in Norway and I left Norway and went to Wales. And when I arrived in Wales, uh, my driver, a man who uh, had owned an automotive dealership there in, in the nation of Wales, he wanted to pick me up because he knew my background in the automotive business and, and wanted to share his testimony with me of how he too uh, came to God while he was uh, uh, running from God like I had been. And we had a wonderful conversation. And then I asked him, I said, uh, do you know where the Welsh revival broke out? 
He said, yes. I said, take me there. He said, before you go to the hotel? I said, yes, take me there. And we drove to the city where Evan Roberts went into a little chapel and began to pray. And he said to God, I'm not leaving this chapel until you move on my nation. Showing God that there was a hunger, a hunger for more of God. They took me to that little chapel and I don't know for sure, but they said this is the bench that Evan Roberts knelt down in front of. It could or could not have been, I don't know. But it was the same building and said this is where he prayed, God, move on my nation. We need revival in our nation. And God honored his request. And that Welsh revival, it, it affected nearly everybody in the country. The pubs, the bars shut down. The places of prostitution shut down. I mean, there was a major move of God throughout that nation. And then it began to spread to America. The turn of the century. In a Bible school in Kansas where they began to pray and seek God for more of God. And they began to receive the Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost. And from there, it spread to Azusa Street in California. And there too, it came as a result of people hungering for God. I had the privilege of, of preaching in the 100-year anniversary of Azusa Street in California a number of years ago. I went to the place, Carol and I went to the place where that all broke out way back there at the turn of the century. Every major move of God has come on the wings of hunger. People become dissatisfied with church as usual. Anybody dissatisfied with church as usual? It's time for a move of God. I came into this at the, at the ushering in of the charismatic revival. Brother Copeland had come to Shreveport where Carol and I were living at the time where we grew up. And he had just been in California at a man's home. The man's name was Dave Malkin. And Dave uh, invited him to come to his home and preach. And Dave had led over a hundred ex-hippie drug addicts to the Lord himself. And they were all gathering in his living room in his home, having Bible studies. And Dave heard Brother Copeland at a full gospel businessmen's meeting and asked him if he would come to his house and teach faith to these young believers, new converts. Brother Copeland did. And when he left there, he came to Shreveport. And he said to me, Jerry, I believe God wants me to send you out to California and spend some time with Dave Malkin. And he said, and I'm going to pay you away. And uh, he said, and the Lord told me to tell you, stay as long as you think you need to stay because God has something for you and you're going to bring it back to your city. And so I flew out to Los Angeles, never been to Los Angeles before. Didn't know Dave Malkin from Adam. Adam. And when I 
landed there at LAX and took one young man from Shreveport who had been an ex-hippie drug addict, got saved in a Brian Rudd meeting in the tabernacle there in Shreveport church we were going to. And he and I went out there. And I remember coming down the escalator and the man standing at the foot of it was Dave Malkin. He introduced himself to me, picked up our luggage and took us home. He said, we're going to Pismo Beach tomorrow. There'll be 140,000 hippies, drug addicts, secular people at Pismo Beach, 4th of July weekend. And said, and we're going to invade Pismo Beach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm taking 113 ex-drug addicts who've been saved, delivered, and filled with the Holy Ghost that are part of my Bible study. We got out there to Pismo Beach and I'm standing on this sand dune looking out there and thinking, what in the world am I doing here? <laughs> I didn't look like them. I didn't know one thing about drugs, never done drugs in my life. No, never, never had a desire to do it. And I thought to myself, what could I possibly say to these people? I don't know anything about drugs. I don't know this lifestyle. Now, we had some so-called hippies in Shreveport, but after I got to California, the hippies in Shreveport were wannabes. <laughs> These people wrote the book about drugs and hippie, you know, revolution. I saw some of the weirdest things I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm standing out there looking at this crowd of people, thousands, hundreds, over 100,000. And I'm thinking, what do I have to offer them? And the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, son, it's not your knowledge of drugs that will get their attention. It's your knowledge of me. Take me to them. So I walked off that little hill and there was a group of them sitting in a circle. And they were chanting and singing and swaying and Smoking, you know, I guess you do it like this. I don't know if Jesse was here, I'd ask him. He knows how anyway. And uh, I walked right down the middle of that crowd. There was a young girl sitting here and a boy on, the, on here and there's a little space in between them. So I just sat down between them. Now you have to get the picture of this. I'm in a pair of Levi's tennis shoes, you know, a band lawn shirt, they call them polo shirts now, and a crew cut. I just come out of the paint and body shop. And I sat down here, whoa, man. <laughs> I think that was the most intelligent thing anybody said in that group. <laughs> whoa, man. And this girl sitting next to me, she had flowers in her hair. She had flowers sewn all over, you know, her, her uh, slacks and shirts. Everybody, long hair. You can hardly see their face. And I still felt very intimidated. Finally, I got brave enough. I said uh, to this girl, 
do you know Jesus? She said, what? And I said, do you know Jesus? Have you ever experienced Jesus? She started crying. Come to find out she's a backslidden Pentecostal girl. And I led her back to the Lord. And then she, on her own, said, listen to him. And I had the attention of the whole crowd. We, we experienced some of the most unusual salvations or some salvations with some most unusual people would be a proper way to say it. There was one guy that had been a hitman for the mob in Chicago. And Dave Malkin led him to the Lord. Now, this man don't know anything. All he knows is the sinner's prayer that he just prayed. He prayed it, tears streaming down his face. He walked out on the street, Pismo Beach. I was there recently. Remember that very corner. Remember this scene. He walked out on the street. A hell's angel was on his motorcycle waiting for the light to change. And this guy straddled the forks of his bike and looked right at him and said, you need Jesus. And that hell's angel looked at this guy and did not give him any lip. He was a big guy. And he'd been a hitman for the mob. And he said, you're going to receive Jesus. And the guy said, get off my bike. He said, not until you receive Jesus. And he prayed with him right there, people blowing their horns, trying to get around the motorcycle. And he would not get off that bike until that guy prayed and received Christ. And then the hell's angel parked his bike and he began witnessing the people out on the beach. <laughs> Amen. We led thousands, thousands of them to the Lord, baptized thousands of them in the Pacific Ocean. Amen. When we left and went back to the LA area, a hundred miles away from Pismo Beach, we stopped at a service station and the guy filling up the car, this back when, you know, he had an attendant fill the car. When he, he was filling up the car, he said, hey, have you guys heard what's happening at Pismo Beach? He said, yeah, we just came from there. It was easy to get people saved. And I stayed out there for 13 days. And then I came back home to Shreveport. And that's when I began to rally the young people at their church and get them into the streets and winning people to Christ one-on-one. -on -one. Now, there was a man and his wife had just graduated from Bible school and they were supposed to come back and be the youth directors for the church. And uh, I remember sitting in the, his first service with the youth because the pastor had asked me to, to work with the youth, so not make me youth director, but to work with the youth. And I had them in the streets witnessing, experiencing the same things we, we saw in California. And his first lesson, he said, now, I'm going to give you a six-month soul-winning course because you can't win souls without knowing these things that I'm going to be teaching you. He didn't know that most of the kids, young people in that service had just come off the streets. We had won them to the Lord and he didn't know that. And he's going to take six months to get people, teach people how to get people to Christ. Well, 
Finally, after the service, I said, uh, uh, sir, you're too late. Most of these people you're talking to were street people. They were acid heads. They were drug addicts. They were prostitutes. We won them to the Lord. We don't need six months teaching on soul winning. We're doing it. Oh, he got so mad at me. In fact, he got so mad at me that when he'd see me coming in the church, he'd go down the other aisle. And then one day he came down and, and, and grabbed me by the collar. He's a big man, much taller than me, almost picked me off my feet. He said, I want to know one thing. I spent four years in Bible college studying the Bible and I'm not getting the kind of results you are. Why? I said, you know a lot about the Bible. I'm doing the Bible. And put me down. Uh, That didn't sit well with him either. You know, a religious spirit can stifle the move of God. In fact, we did a meeting out in Topanga Canyon and there was a young man who was just coming on the scene by the name of Andre Crouch who did the singing, praise God. And Andre and I got to be close friends and did some meetings together over over the years. It was unprecedented. In Shreveport, there were Baptists, Methodists, and Catholics getting saved so often, and many of them were getting pushed out of their church. Got, as Brother Hagin said, the left foot of fellowship, and they all started coming to Life Tabernacle, and it became like the model charismatic church in Shreveport, Louisiana. Now, not everybody in that church liked what was happening. Some of them thought the old was better. They didn't like me bringing drug addicts in there. They didn't like me bringing alcoholics in there. They didn't like me bringing prostitutes in there. They didn't look good. They didn't smell good. And they didn't act right. Amen. Now, when I moved to Fort Worth, I did the same thing with Grace Temple. Brother Nichols asked me to get involved with the youth. If I wasn't with Brother Copeland... Then I was at Grace Temple and involved with the youth and I got them out in the streets of Fort Worth. We set up stations all over the city and I told the young people, I taught them how to witness and I didn't take six months, about an hour. Got them out in the streets and I told the, the people that, the young people that were with me, I said, not everybody will pray with you, but at least sow the seed and then walk away saying, the word does not return void. And I said, and we're going to come back to these same places. I set up stations all over the city. We're going to come back to these same places every week because some of those people that didn't pray for you will start looking for you because they won't sleep. Not after they've heard the word, not after we planted the seed, they're going to be looking for us. And some of them that you didn't pray with then, you'll eventually pray for. And that's exactly what happened everywhere we went. In fact, I set up a station in front of a bar and later found out it's the bar that Kenneth Copeland used to sing in before he got saved. <laughs> he walked in there one night. Uh, the, you know, the church didn't want him. His Baptist church didn't want him. And he left there and went to that bar. And when he, when he, when he walked in, the owner of the bar said, there's a man 
If he'll sing in my bar every night, he'll never have to buy a drink. And that's what Kenneth Copeland did. I didn't realize it. I set up a station right in front of that bar where Kenneth Copeland used to, used to sing. Every move of God that has ceased or dried up did so because some man tried to control it. Some man tried to control it. There's certain people that feel like none of this would happen if it wasn't for me. There wouldn't be a movement without me. Oh, yes, there would. God has plenty of people he can use. Now, he wants to use you, but if you get in the way, he'll just find somebody else to use, praise God. Amen? We are on the verge of the greatest move of God this, this planet has ever seen. It's happening in different spots around the world. And it's picking up momentum. How many of you remember the old movie Bonanza, TV movie Bonanza? You remember at the front of it, it showed a map of the country and a fire started in California, spread across the country. That's what I see happening. The fire of the Holy Ghost is going to spread across the country. Just like that old map in, at Bonanza. The fire of the Holy Ghost is going to spread from one end of this nation to the other. It's going to spread to the four corners of the earth, praise God. And this time, no man's going to be able to stop it. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise that we are on the verge of it. Amen. So once again, it begins with a deep hunger for more of God. Anybody hungry for God today? Anybody hungry for more of God today? It's the desire to know more of the person of God than anything else in your life. It's seeking his face and not just his hand. His face represents intimacy. His hand represents his power. If you seek his face, his hand comes with it. <laughs> seek intimacy with God and you'll see the hand of God as a result of it. Amen. When a body of believers have this as their number one priority, then they will experience his presence and with it will come signs and wonders. One preacher described it as this. I can't improve on this, so I'm going to borrow it. Expectation without manipulation. Expectation without manipulation. That's what a, a true move of God is. Every previous move of God ceased when man tried to control it or when they endeavored to promote self above the Spirit of God. Often it ceases when flashy and dramatic becomes what some try to bring into it. I remember a, a time in South Africa back in the 80s when I first started going to South Africa. Ray McCauley, pastor of Rama Bible Church in South Africa, he and I became very close friends. I met him when he was a student at Rama Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, he came to Fort Worth to meet me and said he was going back after he graduated to 
Joburg and began a church. And he said, and once we get it started, I'd love for you to come. And so about 1981, we went for the first time to Joburg. And the, the meetings were so powerful. Every time I went, it just kept growing. Ray was a pastor doing the work of an evangelist. Every service. I don't care what Ray preached, people get saved. Now, I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking about hundreds of people get saved. And uh, we had some of the greatest manifestations of the power of God in those meetings. And, and it kept growing. And he finally had to go to a, 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 a grounds in a fairground, a, a building in a fairground, a pavilion in a fairground to hold all the people. Tens of thousands of people would show up. And the miracles were unceasing. I mean, sometimes you just stand up and say a few words and, and the power of God would begin to flow. One night, uh, the Lord said, don't, don't, don't take your Bible and your notebook to the podium tonight. I said, why would I not want to do that? I said, I, I got a good sermon I've worked on today. He said, uh, you can preach it to yourself later. So I left my Bible and my notebook there on the, on the chair, went up there, and he said, tell the miracles will spring out of praise tonight. Do you know the biblical keys that unlock maximum living? Are you helping or hindering God's best from manifesting in your life? Today's special offer, the Keys to Maximum Living Package, contains Jerry Savelle's mini book, Man's Crown of Glory, his inspiring book, How God Supplies Your Every Need, and his eye-opening four-part audio series, What's Stopping Your Miracle? Learn to operate in the principles that will revolutionize your thinking and cause you to experience God's best for your life. In this package, Jerry reveals the link between lifestyle and blessing, how to become seed-minded, how to overcome any need, and your God-given status and role in life. Don't delay. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Keys to Maximum Living special package. Open your heart and ready yourself to walk in the abundant life God has called you to. Did you enjoy today's teaching? I certainly hope so. And if you did, I want to encourage you to be sure and make your plans to watch again next week because we're going to continue this study on Keys to Living the Maximum Lifestyle. Before we leave the air, let me remind you of our special resource package today. First of all, four CDs on a subject that I taught a few years ago entitled, What's Stopping Your Miracle? What is stopping your miracle? There's an explanation. It's found in the Word of God, and I spent four sessions teaching on this, and I believe it will help you greatly. Then also, my book on man's crown of glory, a revelation of man's authority. You need to know that you have authority over the devil. You have authority over all of his works and you do not have to allow him to stop your miracles, stop your breakthrough and prevent you from living the maximum lifestyle. This is a great little book. You can read it on your lunch hour and then right along with it, my book entitled How God Supplies Your Every Need. You know, in this book, we talk about learning how to become seed-minded instead of need-minded. It's a great revelation. It's how God supplies your every need. So if you're interested in these resources, go to jerrysavelle.org. It'll give you all the information. 
or you can look on the screen right now and place your order right away. We'll get it to you through the mail. And once again, we look forward to sharing with you again on next week's broadcast. So until then, remember, your faith will overcome the world.